You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. All right, we've been talking about the tension between uh, the God of the universe that would become a man. The the infinite became an infant. This this tension of how does that happen and what does that look like? Uh, we've been looking at stories throughout the Bible, uh, kind of unpacking these, these thoughts. And it all began, uh, well... For us, with Christmas, with a supernatural ultrasound, when an angel showed up to Mary and said, you will bring forth a child and he will be the promised one that, uh, that you've been awaiting for your whole life. And uh, he will be a boy. And you will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to unwrap uh, possibly the greatest Christmas verse in the Bible. We looked at the first half of it last week. We're going to look at the second half of it today. It's found in the Old Testament. It's It was uh, prophesied 700 years before Christ was even born, uh, and it gives us his names. Uh, this is the verse right here, Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Four names that change everything we know about life and about God. Uh, What's the significance of these verses? What did it mean for them? And what does it mean for us now? We're going to take a look at that. Now, names are important. I'm sure we can all agree that names are important. There is a a connection when you know a name, right? Where's Jeff at in here? There you are, right there. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Uh, You know, and and I think of Chris, you know, and where's Sean at? Sean's over here, and of course my wife, she has more than one name because she also goes by Sweetie, Sweetheart, Baby Cakes, all that sort of stuff. And... uh, yeah, she has. She's a woman of many names, and uh, my kids all have different names too. I like call them cream cheese and that sort of stuff. Uh, we 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 have all kinds of funny names that we call each other. Anyhow, but names mean a lot, isn't that right, Kim? Kim Atterbury, I thought I saw you over here. Did you move? She's not here. Maybe I didn't see her. Uh, but you know what? I know her name, so now I'm looking for. Her. I can call her by name. And I, I'm I'm thinking of some of you guys here, E and and uh, Ernest. Tiny. Uh, Tiny's nickname, I don't know if you know, his birth name is not Tiny. Don't know if you knew that or not. But knowing someone's name is powerful, right? When you know a name, there's a sense of relationship and connection. In fact, why don't you do this? Why don't you stand up for just one second? So go ahead and stand up. Everybody stand up. I know you got settled in, ready to take a nap while the pastor preaches. But go ahead and stand up and, and find somebody even if you know them, but tell them your full name. If, but you can't tell your family members because you already know. So find someone that's not your family. Tell them your full name, middle name too, if you have one. Full name. Theodore Andrew Blair. Edward? Edward. Awesome. Is it Weldon Edward or Edward Weldon? Wow, cool. All right, Lee, Lee. Wow, Kimberly. 
I'm just, <laughs> I'm just All right, go ahead and have a seat if you've, uh, you've learned something about somebody. Now, I, I don't know about some people, especially when you're younger, there's something about like keeping your middle name a secret or something. I always wish I had like some Hispanic name that had like some, you know, really long you know, name, I thought, man, it'd be like, like Zorro type thing. It'd be like really cool. Um, anyhow, real name fails. Here's some real name fails because real names matter. These are real names. Uh, Anita, man. Lois, Price. Helen, back. I actually met a person whose name was this. I mean, this is not a joke. Lots of eleven. That was their name. And then uh, I was at the bank a couple of years ago, and there was a girl that I met. Her name was Snow, middle name E, last name White. Not kidding. Snowy White. Snow White was her name. Uh, Nicholas Cage named his son Kalel after Superman. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow named... One of her children, Apple, I don't know if it's a boy or girl, could be, and her son is orange, and uh, banana, and mango, mango, sorry. Uh, Sylvester Stallone (laughs) uh, named uh, one of his children Moonblood. It's kind of (laughs) cool. If you're in a science fiction movie, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, I'm sorry, Gwen Stefani named uh, a daughter Zuma. Come on, Zuma, 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 Zoom. Uh, and she named another child Nesta Rock. Uh, Michael Jackson, of course, named his son Prince Michael the second. Um, and then Blanket. That's just weird. Uh, Jermaine Jackson tried to up his brother one, so he named his son Your Majesty. No kidding. His name is Your Majesty. The Edge from uh, U2 named uh, one of his children Blue Angel. Sounds like some alcoholic beverage name. Uh, Frank Zappa named his kids uh, Moon Unit, Dweezel, and Diva Thin Muffin. Not a joke. Uh, each year, parents pick the the uh, the newest, most popular names. In fact, there's a name at Christmas time that kind of stirs up a thought. Right? What's the name when you think of a meanie at Christmas? What do you think of? Scrooge or how about this guy right here? Maybe you think of this person. Come on down here. It's the it's the newly reformed. <laughs> this is the Grinch and oh I just saw it last night, I forget your name. Cindy Lou, that's right. Can you sing the song for us? <laughs> This is the Grinch. Now, when you think of Grinch, you immediately are like, don't be a Grinch, right? You think, you think meanie, you think, uh, bully. And, you know, Cindy Lou, she's just so cute and precious. She, <laughs> they're just entertaining themselves. Uh, when you think of Grinch, you think of a, of a, of a mean person. Now, the funny thing about the Grinch is that you don't even have to, to see the Grinch, have a Grinch. When you just say that name, because names mean something, immediately you come to a thought of, of, of a character trait when you get to that name, don't you? When you think of Scrooge, yeah, there's a phrase that goes with it. 
bah humbug, right? You're like, bah humbug, which is a, a meanie, just kind of bully, uh, grumpy, Grinch is the same type of thing, but uh, not this Grinch. He has met Jesus, and he is he is uh, a, the kind of gentler. His, his heart, in fact, is so big, it's about to jump right out of his chest. Here's what we're going to do. They're actually going to be here after service, if you want to get a picture with Hashtag he's a mean one or hashtag Grinch Live Dallas, right? Grinch Life Dallas. They're going to go over to the kids' church and say hello to the kids. So uh, say goodbye to Cindy Lou and Grinch. You know, they actually uh, bought these just for fun. And they uh, walked around Firewheel last week and they said hundreds of people were just taking their pictures just lining up. And so what they did this week is they made cards that said hashtag life, uh, Grinch life Dallas, because uh, they want people to take, push, post their pictures on an Instagram page so that they can see their pictures. Cause today after service, they're going to walk Firewheel mall and uh, just walk around. And uh, if it was like last week, there'll be hundreds of people. I mean, they're not kidding when they said hundreds of people stopped them to get their picture. But when you think of the Grinch, a character trait immediately comes to mind. Well, there's some names that were given to Christ. Uh, and the point is that names have meanings. Uh, they're not as, as powerful as they used to be in the past. In the Old Testament, names were given uh, as an expectation to live up to, as a declaration, or out of hope, or uh, on a mission, or something they had to break from. It was a public announcement. It was a celebration. In fact, Proverbs 22, 20, uh, 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. You see, a name means a lot. If your name goes through the mud, right, then, then your name is no good. Then you have a bad reputation. If your name is good, then when immediately they hear your name, there's character traits associated with that name. Well, Christmas has a name. And Joseph was told by an angel to name Christmas what it is. So let's take a look at it. Matthew 1, verse 21, it says, She will give birth. This is an angel talking to Joseph. He says, She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus means to rescue or deliver. It means he's a savior. In Greek, it means healer. It says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And then Matthew quotes Isaiah 7 14. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And the word Emmanuel means God with us. Now, in the New Testament, God has given us his name, and his name is. Yeshua. In fact, the name Jesus in, is, is actually the name Yeshua. Jesus is a transliteration. The J didn't even show up in our alphabet till about 150 years ago. And the J sound was not associated with Jesus. In fact, it's, it's uh, Yeshua in Hebrew. And then once Jesus was spread through the Roman Empire, which is a predominantly Latin and Greek language speaking people, his name was Isus. So up until the Middle Ages, we prayed to Isus, and then eventually that I took on the shape of a J, which was still the I sound, until the German transliteration of the word G and J became Jesus. Now, I say that only because 
there's nothing wrong with saying Jesus, even though the disciples never said the name Jesus. They said the name Yeshua. Even though we say Jesus, it's not the name that the, he, that the Greeks gave their life to. The name they gave their life to was Isus. It's the same name. It's a transliteration. The second name, if you've ever wondered what Christ means, the word Christ is the, uh, is the Hebrew Hamashiach, which means Messiah, which means anointed one. So when you see the word Isus Christos, that means Christ, or it means, it means the Savior anointed, the anointed Savior, the one promised who is to save us, to rescue us, to heal us. Jesus Christ means Savior, Healer, Anointed One. So every, Christ and Messiah are interchangeable. It's the exact same word. And he says, that is the name that you are to call him. That is the name that he has been given. It is Yeshua. And in the Old Testament, God, his name, when he told Moses, was Yahweh, which is the form of the word Yeshua. And Yahweh is the breath of God. He says, that is my name. I am the I am. The very same thing that Jesus called himself. He said, I am Yahweh. God has hundreds of names by which he is known in the Bible, names that tell us a lot about his character. Here's a few of them. Uh, God is called the Advocate, the Alpha and Omega, the Ancient of Days, the Bread of Life, the Bright Morning Star, the Captain of Salvation, the Chief Cornerstone, the Christ, the Door, the Everlasting to Everlasting, the Eternal Judge, the Faithful and True, the Finisher of our Faith, the Great I Am, the Great Shepherd, the Great Holy One, the King of Kings, the Lamb of God, the Living Water, the Light, the Lily, of the valley, the Lord of lords, the Lord of glory, the lion of Judah, the mediator, the Messiah, the Passover, the physician, the redeemer, the revealer, the resurrection and the life, the righteous judge, the rose of Sharon, the rock, the servant, the savior, the son of God, the son of man, the teacher, the true vine, the unchangeable one, the worthy one, the word, the way, the living way. All of these are statements of who he is and there's more. In fact, the names of God, the names of Jesus are the most important of all names. In fact, the Bible warns us in Exodus 20 not to take the Lord's name in vain. In fact, it says that Jesus, in his name, believers are to be saved. Believers are to be baptized. In the name of Jesus, the Bible says in Acts that there is no other name by which men can be saved. And in Acts 5, the disciples are warned not to preach or speak of Jesus' name or they will be arrested. See, the name means everything. I want you just for a moment. To say out loud, Jesus. Go ahead and say it. Now that is a name that is not spoken very often. We like to talk about God, about church, about faith, about religion. But something reigns us in when we get to Jesus. Because that is a powerful name by which the demons in hell even tremble at that name. It's a name that is powerful. When God spoke through the, uh, to, through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9, 6, he said, and his name shall be called. He gave us four names. God is saying, these are things I want you to know Jesus by. These are things that characterize the Christ. Understanding Jesus and his name help us to move beyond simply knowing the Lord to loving 
the Lord? And have you made that transition from knowing to loving? Some of you here, you know a lot about Jesus. You said the prayer, you go to church, but have you transitioned from knowing the name to loving that name, to knowing who he is, to loving who he is? These four character traits, these four names today, these four promises hopefully will transition you from knowing to loving. This is what it says. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We read it. We often miss the meaning. Four names, four promises. Here's the first name. The first name is this, Jesus, the Wonderful Counselor. Jesus came to be a counselor. Now, he's not a therapist with a notepad in stuffy chairs going, hmm. And he's not someone who passively listens and who gives tidbits of advice, who gives you some some five tips on how to be a better person or some exercises on simply how to control your temperature, uh, your, your temper, your temperature, some of that too. Isaiah spoke in Hebrew when he said the wonderful counselor, he said two Things, those Hebrew words that he spoke were the words Yawatz and Pele. Let's look at those. The word counselor means Yawatz, and it means to counsel, to guide, to resolve. It says, this is someone who has full knowledge of everything you can imagine, and he wants to give it to you. That's a counselor. He is the Yawatz. He knows everything and he wants to talk to you. He wants to share with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. And the modifier tells us what kind of Yawatz he is. He's a wonderful one. It says he's a wonderful or Pele, which means something beyond description and too wonderful, miraculous to even try to describe. He is a counselor that is miraculously wonderful. I can't even describe, he says, what a dynamic, knowledgeable guide he is. Meaning he does not end with advice. He walks us through it. He does what no one else can do. He guides in such a miraculous way that it's supremely above all other ways and all other advice. It's even greater than grandma's. His advice is supreme. It's Pele. It's wonderful. Isaiah declared the Messiah Jesus will come and he will be the ultimate guide, the magnificent, the magnificent leader. And it's too miraculous for words, a guide beyond explaining he is the wonderful, miraculously all-knowing, powerful guide. Here's the promise that comes with that. Jesus, God with us, will guide and lead you to places beyond your imagination. Beyond where you could imagine. A lot of us, we think, well, Christianity, eh, it's just not my deal. It's just not my thing. It's boring. It's dull. It's church. It's, you know, it's a lot of don'ts. No, 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 no. If you will let the, the wonderful counselor guide you, he will take you places you never imagined. The, the a true walk with God is a walk that will take you places you never dreamed of. A true walk with God where God leads us. If you allow Jesus to guide you and lead you, he will take you to the miraculous. He will take you beyond your wildest dreams. That is a promise. Jesus is not a passive leader or a passive listener. He is an active guide, an active help. I'll be honest with you, we all need guidance. You may be in a time of need right now, depressed in fear, 
stressed, full of anxiety, financial worries and lost, lonely, missing someone that you love, sickness, family trouble. Well, the good news, the counselor is in. The counselor is in. And ask yourself right now, where are you needing direction? Because there's a wonderful counselor who's come to guide you. He goes on to say, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. By the way, not everyone can call him that. Not everyone can call him that. To benefit from Christ's counsel, you must realize that you don't have all the answers. You must embrace Jesus at his words and yield to God's will. Let me explain it like this. If, if, I, if I thought exercise was important, when have I embraced exercise? When I understand its importance and benefits, when I agree with its values, when I buy equipment and when I buy the clothes and when I get my yoga pants, you don't want to see me in yoga pants, but I'm going to get some because I believe in exercise. But have I embraced it if I buy yoga pants or if I make a plan or if I even exercise for a week? Well, I haven't fully embraced something until it's an inseparable part of my life. And a lot of us think, well, I I understand the importance of Jesus. And, you know, I I come to church every now and then or once a week. And, you know, I I buy into the the values. I believe in those values, you know, and I have a Bible of my own. And and I make a plan. I try. But, you know, you haven't fully embraced the counselor's guidance until it becomes an inseparable part of your life. Until then, you're just playing church. We can only know the wonderful counselor when we fully embrace his word and wisdom in our life, in our relationships, in our money, in our career, in our choices, in our friendships, in our marriage, with our kids, and in our decisions. Is Jesus your counselor? Embrace the wonderful counselor. Jesus will guide you. He will lead you. He says, and he will be called mighty God. Mighty God. Jesus Mighty God. Now, there was a song in the 90s that I used to love. Jesus, mighty God. You remember that song? Our rock, our fortress, our defense. That was one of the, like, the, the first earlier kind of four, four rocking Christian songs in the, in the 90s that were sung on a Sunday morning. I used to do worship at the church when I was a youth pastor. And I used to drive that song to the ground, baby, because it was 4-4 four, four rock. And I, and I was like, everything else was like keyboard kind of gospel sound, which was cool. But man, to have this song that kind of had this rock rhythm to it, it was killing. But the song was called Jesus Mighty God. And Jesus is not God Jr. He's not the Heavenly Father's Bubba. He didn't just show up and grow up. He is God. He's fully man. He's fully God. He's always been God and he'll always be God. Jesus, in fact, refers to himself as the Lord, refers to himself as the God of the Old Testament, the Almighty, over 200 times in the Gospels. Jesus was very clear on who he said that he was. Jesus is the omniscient, the omnipotent, and the omnipresent God Almighty on earth. Philippians 2, 6 says this. It says, who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That word grasp means something to abuse or something to hold on to. But rather he made himself 
nothing. That word there is made himself his kenosis. It's a pouring out. In fact, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You see, this is before that manger and a baby. Jesus has been around and has always been around, but he took on the form of a baby. He says, but he made himself Nothing. He didn't just show up and grow up. He had always been. And he says, and he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. That's Christmas. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's Easter. For he died for our sins and rose again. See, that is the story of Christmas. God is here. Rescue has come. And here's a promise. The second name, the second promise is this, is that Jesus, God with us, will work in your life to do the impossible. Maybe you're here today and you have problems. Well, nothing's too hard for Jesus. He's God. I've actually talked to people and heard people say, well, let's, let's go to prayer to Jesus. And, no, 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 let's go to the Father. We, this is a serious prayer. I'm like, What? Jesus is the authority of the Father. You can go to Jesus and he has all power to work in your life. There's nothing too hard for him. Jeremiah 32 once says, Jeremiah goes, ah, by the way, that's a painful groan. You don't see that in the translation. It just says, ah, sovereign Lord. But he's saying, ah, painful groan. He's in anguish. He's hurting. He's suffering. He's, he's, he's crying out to God. He's frustrated. He's, he's stressed out. He's depressed. He says, ah, sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. He says, nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing is too hard for you. Sometimes we see the world that we live in and we, we look at the world, we look at its wars, we look at the fear, we look at the violence, we look at the death, we look at the disease, we look at the tragedies. We experience the miscarriages and the unfulfilled dreams, the loneliness, the chaos, and we can't help but wonder, God, where's your power? I want you to know something today. The power of Jesus is real, and the very power of God extended to those who will call on his name. Jesus, the mighty God at work in you. Jesus, the mighty God at work through you. And Jesus, the mighty God at work in you. Isaiah 40 29 through 31 says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. The word youth there is, uh, at the time, it was, it was a reference to athletes. So it says, even young athletes, the best of the best, will grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. See, that's a promise for everybody in this room. That's a promise for the young man who thinks, I don't need Jesus. I got all the energy in the world. I'm too young to be slow. And if it's too loud, you're too old, I am good to go. I don't need, no, even you will grow tired and weary. Those of you that are already tired and weary, that aren't so youthful anymore, he renews your strength too. See, that's the power of Jesus at work in you, through you, and for you. God at work in me over the years, man, has been, has been uh, uh, an amazing story. I gave my life to Jesus at 13 years old. My life has been up and down and up and down, you know, uh, 
there was a season where we were living in a pickup truck and we were homeless. And there were seasons when we lived in a very nice house with very expensive cars. And then we went bankrupt and then we were poor again. And then I was moving out on my own. I was living, you know, barely alive. I had no cars. I was bumming rides everywhere I went. But I ended up somehow miraculously and how God showed up and provided for me to go to college, to go to school. I ended up marrying my wife who we were teenage friends and sweethearts in our high school youth group. We've been married 22 years, but that even has had years of trials and financial troubles and ministry challenges where we were kicked to the curb literally from ministry leaders that we trusted, attacked and condemned and reputations where our name was attempted to drag through the dirt, surviving a Uh, cancer. I had cancer in 2009. God was faithful and he's been there. Every time we thought that the devil had a hold on us, we knew that Jesus never let go of us. And he was always working in us, through us, and for us. Isaiah 9, 6. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. That's indescribable wise guide and mighty God where nothing is too hard for him. And then he says, name three is Everlasting Father. Do you things stir our heart like the Father? I, I, I think if I were to ask every one of you in here about your relationship with your father, the, uh, the responses would be a wide variety of extremes. Some of you would be like, uh, it was terrible. It was eh. I wish it was closer and some of you, it was great. But when you really start digging into the issues of the father, man, there's nothing that really touches a man's heart like the father issues. There's nothing really that tugs on the heart of a girl than her daddy. There, there are certain things that, 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 that touch our heart. And there are few things as controversial as our father. In fact, so many of us grow up with kind of mediocre to poor fathers. And it's crazy that God in his all knowledgeable understanding of the future and past and what we would be going through. He calls himself father. And some of us, we have a hard time accepting God as father because our father was not so hot. One of his favorite names is daddy, Abba father, even in a home that is healthy, not a single human can fill the father hole in the human heart. Maybe you've had a great dad and that's awesome but only Jesus can completely satisfy the hunger of the father in your heart. Some young women spend their whole life looking for someone to fill that void only to leave them shipwrecked and empty. Some young men go their whole life looking for the acknowledgement and the approval of a father, but it can't be done apart from our heavenly father. Here's a promise. Jesus, God with us is your perfect patient parent. The phrase here is Abi Yad, which means father of eternity. Isaiah is telling us that Jesus, and he reveals the everlasting father. You want to know the true father? No, Jesus. Who are you looking for to find God? Well, look no further. Jesus is here. This is what it says in Hebrews 1.3. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Colossians 1.15 says, the sun is the image or the imprint, the icon 
of the invisible God. You know what an icon is? You put them on your, on your desktop screen on your computer, and it's just a little icon picture. But when you click on that, it goes to the program. That icon represents the place on your computer where that program is, is buried. I tell you what, Jesus is the icon. You click on Jesus, you get the Father. You click on Jesus, it opens up those hidden places in your heart and the hidden understandings of God are made known to you when you click on Jesus. John 14, 9 says, Jesus answered, Do you not know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for so long? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father because he will be called everlasting Father. Everything you need to know about the Father is in Jesus. Was Jesus patient? Well, so is your Father in heaven. Was Jesus merciful? Well, so was your Father in heaven. Was Jesus gracious? Well, so is your Father in heaven. Was Jesus compassionate? Well, so is your Father in heaven. Was Jesus quick to forgive the humble? Well, so is your Father in heaven. Is Jesus quick to heal the broken? Well, so is your Father in heaven. Was Jesus angry by the proud and hypocritical? Well, so is your Father in heaven. John 14, 6 is our theme verse for our church. It says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one can comprehend. No one can embrace. No one can understand, know, or grow. Connect to the Father without me. For I reveal the Father. He is the everlasting Father. He never changes. He never wavers. He's not moved or influenced by your fads or by, or by your manipulation. He is not moved by your attendance today. He's not moved by your Bible knowledge or by your gift offerings. He is not moved by your ability to quote scriptures or by your ability to be a good person. He cannot be influenced or manipulated. He is perfect. He is constant. He is faithful. He is never a disappointment. He is everlasting. He's a father who will never walk out on you. He's a father who will never abuse you. He is compassionate and he will stand up for you. And he is a father who will defend you. And he is a father who will fight for you. He is our everlasting, perfect, constant, faithful, compassionate, Aviad, our father. Isaiah 50. 7.15 says, for this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, that is the everlasting, whose name is holy. He says, I live in high and holy places. He says, you know what? I am a big, sovereign, everlasting, omnipresent, more than you can imagine, God. But he says, I'm also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly to to revive the heart of the contract. And though God is everlasting and big, he is close to the humble. He is close to those who are broken. You know, we lose people we love, don't we? My mother passed away uh, several years ago at a young age, at 62. And I never got to see my mother get too many gray hairs. She did have some, but she colored them, so I never really knew how many she had. And she was always so sweet, a little bit crazy. My mom was a crazy woman. I loved her. She was always outspoken. 
but I never got to see her grow up to be an old lady. But no matter how old she got, she always looked like a young woman to me. But when she passed away, it's a lot of a lot of birthdays that she never got to see with her grandkids. It's a lot of Christmases that she never got to spend with us. A lot of anniversaries that she never got to celebrate. We lose people we love, fathers, mothers, brothers. My brother, the year I had cancer, my brother had cancer the exact same year. Uh, he died that year. Uh, I survived that year. Two different cancers, two different reasons. I never saw my, I'm, my older, I'm older than my older brother because my older brother passed away at 42 and I'm now 45. Friends, one of my dearest friends in all the world who helped us start this church about a year and a half into our church passed away. His name is Louis Olivari and I still, still miss my buddy, my friend, my brother from another mother. But hear me, our heavenly father is everlasting. We often expect our earthly relationships to be everlasting, but only one is everlasting. We put stock in so much here that we forget only our father can fill the void of life and love in this life. And though God gives us a season to experience the joy of the people that we love, he's the only relationship that will never disappoint. He's the only relationship that will always, always be faithful. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And here's the last one, Prince of Peace. The title of Prince of Peace is not just a card on Christmas. It's not just a mug or holiday ornament. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the word there is Sar Shalom. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, Sar Shalom. That's actually a very popular Jewish greeting. Uh, In traditional Jewish circles, they'll shake hands and say, Shalom or Sar Shalom. Shalom means holy blessed, be holy blessed. This is more than just the peace sign because it conveys a sense of tranquility and wholeness and completion in every area of our life. That is why it's such a common Jewish greeting. Shalom, be holy at peace in your life. In every area of your life, be at peace. He is the prince of peace in every area of your life. He is the Tsar Shalom. He's the prince of that peace. He is everything we want in life. He is everything we want for those that we love in this life. Jesus is the prince of it all. Now, if you're a parent in this room, there are a few things that you want in life that are really worth dying for. One of those things is your children. If you're a parent, you would die for your children, wouldn't you? Most of us would. I mean, I'm sure we would. If you're a good parent, you would. And I'm assuming that most of you are at least decent people, right? But you would die so that your child could be at peace. Well, you don't have to. Jesus has died for them. He's the Sar Shalom. He's the peace that you want for them. That peace that you desire, that love, that tranquility that you desire for your mom or for your dad, for your kids, for your spouse. Well, that's Jesus. He's that Sar Shalom. He's everything you've ever wished for. For those that you love, he's the prince of it all. Here's the last promise is that Jesus, God with us, will be our peace in every storm, in every storm. Christ is the prince of peace. Apart from him, you can't know 
peace. Jesus brings peace in three big areas of our life. And you can write these down if you want. Jesus brings us peace from God. You see, God is holy and righteous. And and because he is pure and perfect, anything that is sinful, anything that has fallen short of his glory is consumed in the holiness of his power. And the Bible says that Jesus is the satisfaction of, of God's holiness, that he is what's known as the propitiation or the wrath satisfier. So with Jesus, we finally have peace from God. God is no longer angry at those that are in Christ, for he looks at us and sees Jesus. And now we have peace from God. He also brings us peace with God. Through Jesus, the mediator, we can now not just have peace from God, but peace with God. The very peace that God brings to those that love him, we can now have through Christ, for he brings us peace with God in relationship with God. I tell you, at our house, something that I am blessed by, uh, that my wife and I both work uh, hard to do, is we, we work to make our house a peaceful home. And you can do this by doing different things in your home uh, to change the atmosphere, to change the attitude. Uh, We don't, uh, it doesn't mean we're perfect at this, but we don't allow yelling at each other in our house. Uh, It's not to say it doesn't ever happen, but it's very rare. And uh, we, we don't allow negative or bad attitudes or disrespectful attitudes, whether it's to us or to each other or to friends in our household. We protect the sanctity of that sanctuary called our home. We fill that home with as much worship, uh, music, and attitudes and programming. We want what comes into our house to bring peace to our house Now, we're not perfect in every area, but we strive very hard to build a place of peace. And if you've ever been to our house, hopefully you've felt some of that when you've come into our house for our Bible studies or small groups. That when you walk in, it's not necessarily the way it's decorated, but the way it feels because we have God with us. And we try to do everything we can to clear the clutter so that we can sense him with us and so that you can sense him too. For Jesus brings peace with God. And I love this next one. Jesus brings us peace, the peace of God. This is a supernatural peace, knowing that God is in control, where anxiety departs and peace moves in because we know God, if he's for us, who can be against us. And when you look at your money, you've got the Sar Shalom. And when you look at your family, you've got the Sar Shalom. And when you look at your job, you've got the Sar Shalom. And when you get that diagnosis from the doctor and it doesn't look good, you've got the Sar Shalom. See, this is what we often do in life. Is is Chris, uh, Sean in here, right? Come here, Sean. I'm going to have you come down because you can juggle, right? All right. I've got, I'm going to attempt to, to, to see if I can get Sean to juggle. All right. I'm going to let you warm up with two. All right, there you go, juggling. Now, oh, well, I need somebody else. Anybody else can do it? <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you three. I mean, let me, I'll give you three in just a second. Here, hold that one. I'll get you another one. All right, now uh, I want each one of these balls to represent areas of our life. 
uh, what we try to do is we say, thanks, God, go to church on Sunday, do my thing, do your deal, sing some songs, pray some prayers, make some dedications, and then we go back to work on Monday, and we've got work that we're dealing with, and we've got our marriage that we're dealing with, and then we've got our kids that we're dealing with. Go ahead and put that in there. Oh, man, you're not dealing with life very well. All right. Just keep, keep trying. All right. Now, some of us can get this far. I mean, I can, I can, if I try and if I focus and if I work real hard, I can keep all of these things in motion and in the air, right? Uh, if I, if I concentrate now, every now and then, you know, you mess up and then you just drop your wife. You just take her out on a date and everything's cool, right? The, you drop your kids. All right. A little extra gift. Oh, that was a little, that was a spanking. Yes. But here's what happens. Go ahead. I'm going to try to. Can you juggle four? No. All right. I'm going to. All right. Here we go. I'm going to try to throw one in. Ready? All right. You ready? I'm going to. All right. Here we go. You ready? World's worst juggler. Go ahead. All right. Here's what happens. Is is we think that we can. Thanks. We think that we can handle. A few things. But even handling those few things is pretty stressful. Right? There's not a sense of sar shalom there. Please don't throw any at me while you're sitting over there. Because <laughs> that totally sounds like something you might might think of doing. Okay. This is not part of the illustration. I just want to clarify. Yeah, I know he does. By the way, we uh, we went to a conference, Sean and I. And they handed these out. And, uh, you know, every person was supposed to get one, right? And uh, Sean comes home with a, a bag of about 20 of them. So, uh, so, well, these are all I have. I don't know where the others went. Okay, well, these are yours to take to your house after today. So here's the point. We were given things in life to care for under the guidance and stewardship of the Sar Shalom. But what we do is we think, we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection. I'm a believer. And then we still try to juggle and keep things in motion on our own. But Jesus says, just let go of them. I'll gather them together. I'll keep them safe. You see, we weren't created to juggle life. We weren't created to keep the ball rolling. He is the prince of peace. He's the prince of everything you desire and dream of for the people that you love. And he can take care of those issues better than you. This is what Philippians 4, 6 says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, everybody say every situation, in every ball that you try to juggle by prayer and petition, by prayer, that's just talking to God, by petition, by making your request to God, by asking him for certain things, Petitioning God and with thanksgiving, an attitude of gratefulness in everything that you do, present your request to God. He says, man, when you give these issues that you try to juggle over to God, look what happens. He says, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Maybe you've met somebody like that who was going through the biggest trial of their life. And you're like, whoa, how do you, how are you dealing with this? How, how, how do you deal with the troubles? How, man, you just lost your job, but you, so, you, you seem so calm. How? Your marriage seems to be struggling, but do you have a sense of hope? How? 
Your finances are, are struggling, but yet you're, you're still being optimistic and, and, and faithful and generous. How? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds. How does this happen? He says, in Christ Jesus, for he is the Sar Shalom. That's the peace of God, the Sar Shalom. When the diagnosis is in, when your bank account says, when that relationship is over, I will not fear, for I have Sar Shalom. Jesus is the calm assurance that God knows you, hears you, cares about you, and understands and loves you. I want to sh- uh, show you this picture here. This picture has uh, brings different interpretations from people. Some of you might look at this and see uh, just a kind of a beautiful kind of surreal image. But what is the the ominous, glooming beauty in that picture? A storm. What causes that picture to be so beautiful is that looming storm that is on the horizon, that has been caught in time. You know, a lot of times, it's easy to have peace when the sun is shining. But the peace that God offers is the peace that's in the midst of that looming storm when life is raging. We're about to approach 2015. You have no idea what's going to happen. Some of the things that happened this year, you weren't ready for. We don't know what's going to happen in 2015, but I guarantee you this, there's a looming storm coming. There is a looming storm coming in 2015. It might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be spiritual, it might be family, it might be finance, it might be job, it might be a breakdown, it might be a tear up, it might be a f- something falling apart. We don't know if it's something, but it's going to be there. But you know, we can look at that with this sense of peace because even though the storm is looming and something is coming our way, the Sar Shalom is that bright sunlight in the distance that I can have peace even in the middle of this storm. You may remember Randy Akers. He was a member of our church uh, several years ago, the year that I got cancer. He got cancer as well, uh, but he wasn't a part of our church yet. He was in the office next to mine at the office where our church offices are. And uh, because we both had cancer, we were both diagnosed the same month. I went over there and introduced myself and we became friends. And we ended up going to lunches together and spending time after work together and doing things together. I, uh, we went out to dinner. Our, our wives got to know each other. We invited them to church. And uh, I went, he went through surgery and things seemed to be better. And I went through a year of a treatment and chemotherapy. And, and uh, we looked like at the end of the year that we were both out of this scot-free and he was living for Jesus and he was a part of our church and he was a part of our small group and he was going to Bible study. And man, things were awesome and great until the next year. And his cancer came back. He has a soft tissue cancer that basically attaches itself to different organs and eventually it attaches itself to an organ that you can't take out. And it eventually got an organ that was to take his life. But he had the Sar Shalom. He gave his heart to Christ 
He wanted so badly to do more for Jesus. And I remember that last year before he started really winding down physically, he began to, we would sit in my office and he would brainstorm with me on ways that he could raise some support for our church and, and take us to that next place, that next level, that next uh, outreach opportunity that, that he, man, he loved Christ. He loved the church. He loved what God was doing in his life, but he had an ever ending sense of peace, even though he knew that his cancer was going to eventually take his life. And he got worse and he fought it and he prayed and he cried. And God was his sar shalom. Jesus was his peace. And it ended up taking his life. And I was there uh, just before he, he passed away. And uh, I had video. I was doing a video journal of my cancer journey and I was videotaping him and uh, I videotaped a lot of him and I have to this day uh, never watched it because I can't bring myself to watch it because I love my friend Randy and I can't, I can't look at the video and, and objectively uh, that's why it never got posted. It never got used and, and I couldn't even share it with his family because it, but I remember some of the words that he said in that video, and that was how he had the peace of God that surpasses understanding because he met Jesus. He had peace in his heart and peace that God was going to take care of his wife and his family and that he was ready to see Jesus. So now let's read Isaiah 9.6. For to us a child is born. In fact, let's all read it together. Let's every one of us in this room say this together. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's Christmas. Do you have peace today? kind that surpasses understanding you can he came for you we're going to watch this video and then I want to pray for you afterwards and give you this opportunity to receive the greatest gift of your life and that is salvation
Father, we come before you this morning, and, and I just thank you, Lord, that, that you, have, you have come for us. And you've given us these promises, Lord, to be our guide and to be our powerful, powerful redeemer, to be a father, to be our peace. With heads bowed, I want to give you a chance just to talk to God for a minute. Just take a moment just to talk to God about what's going on in your life. Talk to him in your heart. Maybe you have been avoiding God. Maybe you've been checking in and out with God and he's just kind of become a a belief system, but not truly an embracing of who he is. The greatest gift that ever has been given was the gift of Christ. And it's been given to you today. Father, I pray for every person in this room, Lord. If there's anyone here that has not made that proclamation of faith, that you are their King and their Lord, God, I pray that today would be the day that they do that. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. And if you're here in this room and you'd like to begin a brand new with Christ and start fresh with Jesus, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, let's go ahead and say it out loud. Dear Jesus, Thank you for coming for me, for loving me, for rescuing me, for dying on the cross for me. Here's my life. Forgive me of my sin. Here's my chaos for your peace. In Jesus' name could keep your eyes closed for a moment. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer for the first time or as a as a fresh start for you, would you just raise your hand so you know that was for me today? Anybody at all? You said, you know what? I prayed that prayer today. Amen. Thank you, Father. God, I thank you, Lord, that you touched hearts this morning. And God, I pray that you'd help us to, to embrace peace in our life. Some of you here in this room need peace. And I want to pray for you for a moment. Maybe you're in a time of craziness. The holidays only seem to compound your financial struggles. They seem to make worse your, your stressful, busy schedules. And in a time when it's supposed to be filled with joy, it's a time filled with stress and depression. I want to pray for you. Father, touch these people, Lord, that are, that are heavy and hard. And if that's you, just raise your hands to the Lord. I'm, and uh, our eyes are closed, or you can, doesn't matter if they're open, but if that's you, say, you know what, I need peace in my life. Go ahead and raise your hand. If that's you, I need peace, Jesus. I need your hope. I need your patience. I need your grace, God. Lord, I need some assurance that you are with me. God, I need the Sar Shalom. God, I need the Sar Shalom in my life, Father. I need the God who's able to do the impossible in my life, dear Jesus. God, I need the Father who will never leave me. God, I feel so alone. Father, I need you. God, I need your guidance. I need your counsel. I need your direction, Father. Thank you, Father. You are those things. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.